Welcome to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more great content and updates, visit northrockchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. So like Andrew said, we've been in 21 days or we're engaging in 21 days of prayer and fasting with the larger Foursquare family and um, we're on day 19. So we're closing in on the end of this fasting period. Um, I was with someone last night and I heard them, they're like, I'm ready for the fast to be over. So anybody else feeling that way? Like we've been sacrificing, we're ready, we've been, we're ready to maybe get back to life as normal Um, or maybe we're just hungry. So, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wanted to, um, I decided this last week to change things up a little bit from what I had been doing. So, um, and partly I was inspired by Pastor Andrew and his sermon last week where he was talking about um, how we need to be emptied to be filled. So I started thinking about in my life, where have, am I filling a space a sacred space that God could be filling, and I'm either distracted or I'm, I'm, you know, filling that up with other things. And um, so, because of that, I started realizing, which isn't this always the truth that when we are t- thinking about fasting or thinking about something that we might need to give up for a season, it immediately comes to mind. Like it's not like you have to sit and think for a while. Like, what should I get rid of? What do I need to set aside or set down? Immediately, I knew, and so. Um, I realized that um, I fill my days with sound. So I listen to music, I listen to podcasts, I stream videos, I, whatever I'm doing, like if I'm working or, or driving or whatever I'm doing, I tend to have some sort of sound happening in my sphere. And I realized that um, I needed to set that aside for a little bit. So I decided, okay, for this week, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to intentionally engage in some times of silence. And um, so Monday was the first day. I did really, really well. I didn't listen to any music. I didn't watch any shows. I didn't listen to any podcasts. I stayed off the social media. Like I was like, I'm doing really, really good. And then Josh came upstairs and we were talking and I was like, yeah, and I, I, I didn't do that. And I finished this book. And he was like, didn't you start that today? The book. Yeah. I started, I read the whole book in one day. And he was like, doesn't, that negate you focusing on God? Like if you're reading a book all day and, oh yeah, that's probably true. Okay, let's start over on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I was really good, except for I did have one slip up where I forgot and I went on social media, but I think it was divine province because I saw Jody's picture of Chad, which just was wonderful and glorious to see that he'd shaved his beard. And so I was in the know. (laughs) So that was the one thing that I think it was just God wanted. Look at what Chad did today. So, um, but then I went back and I was good. So, um, and even my daughter talking about it and was like, oh, let me say, I was like, I can't go on social media. I can't show you. So anyways, um, so I went and, and part of the reason I did this and was thinking about silence was one, I recognized this is an area I'd been filling myself and I'd been filling my time. And um, the other thing is I really, over the last year or so, I feel like I've really had a 
an intentional focus on trying to cultivate silence and solitude into my rhythm of life, into what, into some of my spiritual rhythms. I wanted to get that. And part of it is, as you all know, because I've preached about this ad nauseum, I am goal-driven and I am task-oriented and I want to do all the things. And so for me to set aside time at the beginning of the week was subjecting myself and realigning myself to recognize that what I do isn't important, but it's where I, who I am and what I'm being. And so I want to be in God's presence without an agenda, without talking, without a list, without questions, without saying I've accomplished anything. I just want to be. And that was something I had gotten really used to doing. It had become quite a habit for me. And then I got in my car accident and I, it was hard for me because I was like stuck in my room all day. And as much as I was alone, and yes, in some ways in silence, of course, that's where my streaming shows and things and all that elevated. Um, I wasn't having that intentionality, which part of it is it's harder to focus on God when I'm staring at my pile of dirty laundry as opposed to up in the mountains overlooking the valley, right? Like, that's beautiful and awe-inspiring, and my dirty laundry is not beautiful and awe-inspiring, especially when I can't do it. So it just made me feel bad. So I had gotten out of that habit. So part of this was I wanted to get back into that habit of having some times of silence. And so part of it is it's something that God asks us to do. Um, He talks to us. He invites us to come away with him. And when you look at, there's in Mark, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're, um, they're in the middle of this time of they've been working and they've been serving and doing ministry to others. And it even says in this verse, they didn't have time to eat or sleep or drink. And they were like just overwhelmed with all the work they were doing. And Jesus invites them. He says, um, come with me by our, yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And that seems like just a magical invitation, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Okay, spa day with Jesus. And then I love how they put it in Psalm. um, And I like the way that the message says this. It says, you are my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. And so I want to focus this morning a little bit on silence and the silence that we experience in our times with God. Before we go any further, I do want to pray, though. Father God, I thank you this morning for these people. I thank you for the word that you've given. And I thank you that you are our constant presence in our life and that we can turn to you, that we do find rest and renewal and healing and hope and peace for the future in your presence. We pray this morning that that would be clear and evident that we would move forward in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to spend a little time this morning with another verse that talks about this. And it's in Lamentations, which is obviously the most happy, you know, book in the Bible. Um, Because when when isn't a lament something that is happy? So again, I like the way the message writes this. It says, when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer, Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. 
So again, we're getting this repeated theme of when we are in trials and tribulation, when we um, have decisions to make, when we have questions that need to be answered, when we're in times of pain and suffering and affliction, the invitation of the Lord is for us to come to him in silence and to not even, to we don't even have to pray. We don't have to have the words. We just go and sit in his presence. And that from that, we will get hope and restoration and renewal. Amen, right? It's the truth. But then what happens if that's not what we experience? What happens if in a time of questioning and doubting and pain and affliction and sorrow and struggle, in a time when we really need him to be there and show his presence and be evident in our life, what happens if what we get in return is silence? And originally, when I was starting to think about this sermon, I thought that I was going to preach to you guys about the silence that we generate towards God. The silence of waiting and being present and intentional about seeking his face. And the truth is that as I spent this week in silence, I didn't come away with any new revelation. I didn't come away with anything that was earth-shattering. I didn't come away with any answers. I didn't come away with anything that I felt was a recompense for me giving up something in my life that I enjoy. It wasn't like an equal. It was just a continued sense of, yes, God's there. But I didn't get anything that I can go, oh, this is my thing for 2020. This is how I move forward over this season. This is how I navigate this transition. This is an answer to that problem I have. This is why I'm going through it. I didn't have any of that. The thing is, I like how Larry Crabb, he's a a Christian author. I like how he puts this. I've often done all I know to do to create space for God. And for all my effort, I felt only increased emptiness, frustration, silence. I created space for God, and he didn't fill it. Or did he, in ways I failed to recognize because I was expecting something else? Or didn't he, because I was arrogantly working hard, thinking he would be impressed and compelled to show up? Ouch, because truth. Like, it's my truth. I don't know about you. I'll claim it for me. Amen. I thank God I gave up Netflix and social media for a week, and why did you not talk to me in the way that I wanted you to talk to me? God, I'm going through something right now that's really difficult, and I would really like it if you gave me an answer to, one, why I'm going through it, and two, what you're going to do about it to fix it. Right? But he doesn't do that, and it makes me mad. What do we do when God gives us the silent treatment? I wanted to talk to you this morning about silence, and I want to ask you real quick, What are some things that come to mind when we hear the word silence? Go ahead. What is something that you think of? Peace. Okay. Rest. Gosh, you guys are in a good place. These are different than what the first service said. Awkward. Yes. Quiet. Wait. I don't like that word. Scary. Annoying. Frustrating pushed aside, left out, tranquility, car radio, 
Right. So here's the thing. The word doesn't just give us negative or positive connotations, right? It's both and. It can be scary and it can be comforting, sometimes at the very same time. I want to talk, I feel like, you know, I, I read that verse in Lamentations. Well, here's some pictures I came up with. And you can actually look at each of these pictures and you can see the positive and the negative in both of it. That could be that top one, it, it, the guy on the bench looking out onto the lake. Well, that could be tranquility or it could be rejection. That, that tree in the mist, it could be ethereal beauty or it could be confusion and fog about what's ahead. The spiral staircase can be beautiful and a path forward or it can be a never-ending cycle of who knows what. You can look at all of these. The, the shut door, it can be rejection and... Um, and isolation and punishment, or it can be security and comfort and safety. So this word can be both and for us in so many ways. And the thing is, that verse that I showed you in Lamentations about when life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself, enter that silence, bow in prayer, don't ask questions, wait for hope, don't run from trouble, take it full face, the worst is never the worst. Can I tell you that that verse in the middle of chapter 3 of Lamentations is sandwiched between a whole bunch more scripture that talks about how God is the source of the affliction that they are currently involved in. He is pouring out his judgment on his people because they did not follow through with the things he asked them to do. So they're in the midst of this horrible captivity and destruction, and pain, and confusion, and everything that they know about their life is being flipped on its head. Yet in the middle of that, they pivot and they say, but God is our source of compassion and loving kindness. In the middle of this same chapter is that verse that says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So there's two facts that are being displayed here in this chapter. On the one hand, they're saying hard things are happening and are continuing to happen to us, and God is good. It's not, the two don't cancel each other out. And yet he's in silence to them. They're saying, God, speak to us. God, when will this end? God, what are you doing? God, save us. It's one of the most... Um, blatant cries for help that you find in scripture. God, act, move, be, help in the midst of we recognize that you are doing this. It would be easier if we could deny one of those. It'd be easier if we could just avoid facing the tough realities that we deal with in our life. Or Maybe it would be easier to abandon the truths about God. It might be easier to just say, I was wrong. That isn't who he is. The Psalms have a lot of this same story that comes through. The Psalms have all of these uh, times of lamenting about the suffering that the person is experiencing. And at the same time, it's juxtaposed with these bold declarations of God's faithfulness to them, um, trusting in God on the basis of the facts other than the ones they're currently experiencing. 
they look and they say, remember how God worked in the past. Remember what God did. This is who he is. This is what he's doing. They, there's so many cries in the Psalms of how long, O oh Lord, will I despair? How long will you forsake me? Oh, my soul, why do you despair within me? So many cries to God of speak, be present, be evident, come, help, heal. Don't be silent anymore. And yet they're reminded over and over to not be overwhelmed by God's silence so that they forget the ways he's acted. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. And he wrote a book which originally was published under a different name because it's basically his journals after his wife passed away. He took all these notebooks and he started, it's called a, a grief observed because he's observing his grief. He's just writing through what he's experiencing and taking time to note it down and see what it says to him about himself, about his wife, and about God. And one of the first things that you hear in this book is his question of where is God? Because isn't that what we do when we're in a time of trial and tribulation and grief and questioning and doubting and all of that? We immediately go, where is God in the middle of this? And he said that so often when he was in times of of joy and hope, that God seemed to welcome him in in those moments with open arms. And yet in this instance, when he needed him the most, he felt like what he instead encountered was a door slammed in his face, a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that silence, you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence becomes. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house, and he begins to question, was it ever inhabited? What can it mean? And he talks about how his conclusion that he dreaded wasn't so much, is there a God, but that question of, so this is what God's really like. I will be deceived no longer. He says, I thought I trusted the rope. He talks about his faith as a rope. I thought I trusted the rope until it mattered to me whether it would bear me. He saw this silence of God. He saw what he felt was God's absence in this midst of his turmoil and his questioning and his fears and his doubts. He saw that silence as punishment and rejection and absence from that moment. I would suggest that that silence is sacred. I would suggest that it helps us to be able to shift that perspective. And instead of seeing God's silence in those moments, those most profound moments of our grief, as not absence, but rather him sacredly walking with us through it. Because really it comes down to, are we going to believe that God's good or not? And if we're to believe that God is good, then we have to recognize that in those moments, he's there. Because the reality, there's, there's reality, right? The reality is we are going through something hard. We have experienced something hard. And the other reality, if we choose to believe this to be the reality, is that he's good. So if those two are happening together, then there has to be a reason why he's allowing us to be in that moment in silence. 
I hate talking about God like this. I'll be honest with you. I personally, if I see someone in pain or if I see someone walking through something, I want to try to figure out answers. Let's brainstorm why this might be happening. Let's brainstorm what good things could come from this. Let me help you. How can I come alongside you? What can I do? To sit in silence in those moments with someone is the most awkward thing I can think of. And it makes me feel hateful. I feel like a bad person if I can't figure out something to say or do for that person in that moment. Now, if me, in my all sinfulness, feels that way, then can't we imagine that God also has those same inclinations? So if we're allowed to sit in those moments and sit in that pain and sit in that questioning and doubting, can't we believe that there must be something good for it? There must be something he's doing. C.S. Lewis talks about him like a surgeon. And he says, if God yielded to our entreaties to stop allowing that pain to happen, if he stopped before the operation was complete, all of the pain up to that point would have been useless. If he stopped before we've gotten there, then we, there's no point. Then it's just mean. The other thing that I love, and when we look at the, oh, yeah, we'll skip that. When we look at Lamentations 3, again, they go on to say, For the Lord will not reject forever. If he causes grief, then he will have compassion. According to his abundant loving kindness, for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. He's not, if there's affliction happening, if there's something we're walking through, and I'm not here saying that God causes affliction in our life, but I am saying that sometimes he allows us to sit in it in silence because it's, it's, his promise is good. His promise is real, right? It does say that we can, when we sit in his presence, we have hope, we have restoration, we have healing, we have renewal, we have comfort. Those are all things that we get. But just like my time of fasting or, or that, you know, when we set that aside, sometimes he doesn't show up the way we expect it to be. So the answer doesn't come the way we thought it would. The relief doesn't come the way we thought it would. And we'd maybe prefer it to have been different. But we continue trusting that, okay, God, I still believe you're good. I still believe that you're here. I still believe that your presence is with me. And I still believe that... that you are restoring and healing me. I don't know how I can endure it sometimes. I sit and I watch people that are going through things and I, things I've been through personally and I get angry. I'm like, God, why aren't, you, why aren't you acting in this moment? Why aren't you bringing the healing? Why aren't you bringing the answers? Why aren't you making the way? Because we know he can do it. We've seen him do it over and over. And why aren't you? And it makes me mad at him. And then I look to the life of Jesus, and I see that at Jesus embraced that silence in a lot of the same ways. He, it, we see in Scripture, he says, we don't have a high priest who is unaware of our trials. We know that on the giving side, Jesus intentionally sought out silence frequently, He frequently, it says in scripture, how he went forward into um, times of solitude and silence to be with God. 
and that he was renewed and refreshed from that. We see that he invited his disciples into that time as well. But the other thing that we don't, and I don't know, I, I was, as I was looking through his life, I picked up on this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was betrayed and arrested, he takes time to go and pray. And he's there praying, and he's seeking God, and he is in such distress that the very sweat has blood in it. He is in anguish, and he's crying out in desperation, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, but not my will, but yours. And he's praying, and he's praying. And I don't know what happened internally in that moment, and it doesn't specifically say in Scripture that God didn't say anything. But if you look at other times in Scripture, you see that there's an audible voice of God recorded. That his audible voice rings out through the heavens to bring encouragement, to bring direction, to bring insight into what's happening in that moment. There's other times where Jesus is up on a mountaintop and he's praying and an angel comes down and ministers to him. So we've seen where Jesus has sought out God in moments and God responded in tangible ways. So we know in this moment of his distress where he's saying, God, I need to know what's going on. I'm here. I'm doing what you want, but this is hard. There's no audible voice and there's no angel that comes. He's in silence. And yet he still moves forward in what he's called to do. And then he's on the cross and he's crucified and he's crying out and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's feeling that absence, and he's feeling that silence. And the thing is, all of this looks like destruction. It looks like abandonment. It looks like pain. It looks like abuse. But the truth of the matter that we know is everything that looked like abuse, everything that looked like the end of all that everyone was hoping for was the beginning of something new that we couldn't even imagine. It was the beginning of full restoration, for us. It was the beginning of full renewal. It was the beginning of a relationship in a whole different way that we never could have imagined. Jesus as the Messiah blew everyone's ideas about what God was out of the water. Brennan Manning says, in the act of silence, you're not waiting for God to make a move you're becoming aware of the moves he's making. And C.S. Lewis goes on to say, Perhaps with God I have gradually been coming to feel that the door is no longer shut and bolted. Was it my own frantic need that slammed it in my face? The time when there is nothing at all in your soul except a cry for help may be just the time when God can't give it. You are like the drowning man who can't be helped because he clutches and grabs. Perhaps your own reiterated cries deafen you to the voice you hope to hear. He goes on to say, because again, it feels like, ouch, God, why would you test people this way? Why would you be so mean to do this? And he says, God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. 
In his trial, he makes us occupy the dock, the witness box, and the bench all at once. He always knew that my temple was a house of cards. His only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. And gosh, no, I'm not negating any of the trials or tribulations that any of us go through. I'm not saying this is an easy process, and I'm not saying that I enjoy it at all. Thank God I'm not God. I say it probably every time I'm preaching, but thank God I'm not God because I probably would ruin all of us and we'd stay infants and never be able to advance in who we think God is. Because the picture I have of God is a really nice cuddly guy who wants to make me happy and give me everything I want. But he's not, and I don't like it sometimes. Andrew spoke about enlarging our sphere and being emptied. And it's scary, and it's silent, and it's dark. And we grow when we learn to embrace that place of empty, open silence. We fear silence because we don't have anything to show for it. On our part, when we're sitting in silence, when we take the time to say, okay, God, I'm listening, We fear the very silent treatment that sometimes we get. We fear being able to say, I did nothing and I got nothing. People, and I think think this is why we don't say that we're fasting. Like, I think some of it, it's supposed to be that we're not bragging. But really, when people know you're fasting, immediately, as soon as the fast is over, they want, so what'd you hear? What's God doing? What's next? How's he moving? And you feel dumb if you go and say, oh, Jesus loves me. He's here. I looked at a bird for an hour. I didn't like to tell people that I went up to the mountains because, first of all, I felt like they're going to be mad at me if they don't get to do that. And on the second part, it was like I'm wasting time. I have a task list of things I should be working on right now, and I'm just sitting here. A.J. Sabota says, silence terrifies us. After having been silent, we have nothing we can tell people we've done. We just were. Silence goes against what Henry Nouwen calls the security of having something valuable to do. Spending time in silence allows the things that crowd our existence to empty out. Silence is giving space to see what is at the bottom of our souls. We also fear silence. And maybe I'll say we, but I'll say me. I fear silence because I can't control it. I like control too much. Um, Ruth Haley Barton encourages us to start letting go of our attempts to make something happen. Loosen your grip on your own agenda Allow the inner chaos to settle so eventually you can hear and receive at God's initiative. We want God, not necessarily our idea of God. C.S. Lewis was talking about that house of cards, how we have this house of cards. We build up this idea of what faith is and what God is like and how he should act and what he should do based on our actions and our beliefs. And then he just comes and keeps knocking it down. And, and it's for our growth. It's for our renewal. It is for our renewal and our restoration and our healing and our peace and our comfort. And 
and all of that. And it's, again, one of those things where we look and we go, this is the reality. This is horrible, and I hate it, and I don't want to be in this moment. And I want answers, and I want clarity, and I want you to move the way I want you to move. But I also say, oh, God, you are good. And, oh, God, you are my restorer, and you are my guide, and I will just sit and wait. And I hate it, but I'll sit and wait. So this morning, um, I want to close out the service a little different than we normally do. We're not going to have the worship team come up. Typically, we like to have the worship team come back up because it gives you an opportunity to respond to any message or anything that God has given you to, through his words. But this morning, I want us to accept his invitation to come away with him for a little bit, to sit in silence, I know it's going to be a little uncomfortable for some of you. Um, A couple of tips. Dallas Willard has a couple of tips here. Don't go into silence with a list. So we're going to sit for a minute, just a minute. Ideally, I'd do five, but I think we might have chaos. So just a moment, just one minute. I'm going to keep time, so you don't need to worry about looking at your watch. We'll dim the lights a little bit here in a second. But don't go into silence with a list. Just be there. Lay down your ideas as to what silence is supposed to accomplish. Don't try to discover anything on your own, but instead allow God to reveal to you or to just sit. Questions and thoughts are naturally going to come to your mind. Silence offers us a way to receive them but not strive for answers. It absolutely takes courage to sit in silent place with God and to let him take the lead. Allow God to come alongside you in the silence, ready to sit for a moment. Be content with his presence, listening to his heart of compassion, loving kindness, and hope. So before we move into this, I'm going to, um, I'm going to read a verse, and then I'll set a timer for a minute. Psalm 62, 1 through 2 and 5 through 6 says, My soul waits in silence. For God only. From him is my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. My soul, wait in silence for God only. For my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Father God, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Our hearts need a surgeon. Just as we sang, we recognize that nothing can separate us from you. Lord, help us to learn to see the silence that we at times experience from you as sacred, as loving, as compassionate as your presence absorbing us, surrounding us, not as rejection or punishment or abuse. Lord God, we reach out to you. We seek your face. And we know that scripture promises that when we seek you, we will find you. And God, we pray that we will continue to find you as you, who you really are, which is more than what we can expect or imagine from you. We pray comfort over the situations in this body. Comfort 
wisdom, clarity, peace, joy, and hope. We thank you, Father God, for who you are in our lives. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you love us, that you want the best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do want to pray together this morning the prayer that we pray every week. Um, And it's a chance for us to, as some of you know who've been here, it's a chance for us to um, reaffirm that we are looking to God as our Savior and are um, surrendering our lives to him and how we want to move forward. So if if you'd mind standing and let's pray this together. If this is the first time that you're praying this, I'd love for an opportunity to meet you and to connect with you. We have a, a gift that will help you as you move forward in your walk with God in this journey. So Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life and give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to learning the scripture, living in fellowship with God's people, and following you in water baptism. In Jesus' name, I pray and trust. Amen. Amen. So before we dismiss this morning, I did want to just pray one more thing over you or give you this word of encouragement. So receive this. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Have a good rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more information about our church and upcoming events, check us out at northrockchurch.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram.